So without further ado, I am going to introduce you to Susan King, who most of you know in our community, but Susan, I first met through the Interfaith Roundtable of Washtenaw County, which you were one of the founders of, if I remember right, and co-director of for many years until you retired from it. Uh, Interfaith chaplain at University of Michigan has done a lot of work with psychology of spirituality and like science and ethics. And I could probably go on for a long time, but I don't want to embarrass her too much. But Susan is a part of our community and I feel really grateful for that. So um, welcome Susan and you'll be given the sermon today. Thank you, Emily. I love how the spirit works. So Diane, your uh, scripture reading from John today and the, and the story of the family uh, and people coming together and helping each other is just like right in with where I'm going this morning. So it feels, feels good to be in alignment. So a while back, I was um, reading part of the daily meditation that Richard Rohr uh, sends out each day. He's a Franciscan priest that uh, runs the Contemplation and Action Center in New Mexico. Uh, and he does a, a, a daily reflection. And he was talking, I don't know, a couple of weeks back about how incredibly fundamental and important it is to remember that God speaks to humanity all the time in the ordinary. Conversations, intersections, our relationship with the divine is not designed to be some kind of extraordinary moment they those come that's for sure but it's in the everyday it's in the ordinary it's in it's in the walk of our life that the divine reaches out communicates with us calls us to relationship with the divine in everything that it is that we do it's in the practical it's in the actual it's in the now it's in the moments of our life and that that relationship is prayerful because prayer is re, is not a set of words per se prayer is a stance to an agreement to be in that covenant relationship with god in a way that is a part of our everyday ordinary life not looking for something out there over there longing for something that doesn't appear it is right here and right now it doesn't require what some of us have been taught it doesn't require perfection perfection actually just translates to meaning wholeness and yes god says i want your whole self but god says i don't want you to live your life in such a way that you don't you're afraid to make mistakes. You're afraid to lean in. You're afraid to have experiences with me because you think you have to be perfect. That is not what covenant relationship with God is about. It's not about right ideas and ideals to be emulated. It's about here, now, right now, in the messy, what is happening and what is God asking. And I'm thinking about the I was like, okay, that may be 
I mean, it's profound to me. Um, and it's probably always been true. But as I look around the world today and everything that it is that's going on, I that I can lose that sometimes. I can lose that sense of the fact that because I'm not seeing God through my eyes in the movement of what's going on around me does not see, does not mean that God is not seeing Godness through my eyes as we look around. And then I was like, okay, if I reflect on the stories that we have, the, the, the incredible history of stories of humankind that we have, that the Bible has captured, that's really all about this fundamental relationship. From the very beginning, it's always been about being called by the sacred to this loving covenant relationship, to be in covenant community with God, right? And we have all of these amazing adventures. We have all of these experiences of doing it. We have movement over time and space. We have creation of kingdoms. We have dissolutions of communities. We have wailing and gnashing of teeth when everything comes apart. But what we always have is a recognition somewhere that the light bulb goes off that God is here. And I can trust that. Now, those relationships, if I think about them all the way through, they're all challenging. They're all messy. They're all questioning. They're all humbling. They're all people stumbling. I mean, some of our greatest heroes, when I think about them, boy, I mean, we got some serious stumblers along the way. I, I, I think about a couple of them that, that, that uh, some of my favorites that I love. I mean, David, who gives us the star of David, the whole image of this interconnected thing. And, you know, the first king called out to be that. The person who, um, in his smallness and leaning into believing in this relationship, can bring down the oppressive um, machine. Well, he also happened to have gone into somebody else's house and took this took their wife and then and then he and then he lied about it. I mean, this is a real human being. <laughs> and we we can see that God is in that story. We can see where it goes and how it works. Um, another one of my favorite examples is um, you know, zoom to the to to the to the Christian uh, codex and we get Paul. I mean, what was Paul's profession before he, he, I mean, he needed to be knocked off of his horse. He was not engaging. He was definitely a man of the machine. He was not being a part of covenantial loving community with, with the sacred. And even when he was, one of the greatest preachers and teachers of all time of bringing people from all kinds of different backgrounds together to understand that we create this body, we create this community of, of the divine, and he was in trouble all the time. I mean, he got, how many times did he get called back to Jerusalem by, you know, the leaders of the group going, um, Paul, cut it out knock it off. I mean, he had to leave one time by being lowered over the side of the wall to flee town because he was in serious hot water. And yet, 
God speaks through Paul in ways that are miraculous and amazing and speak of covenant all the time. So why do I, why do I mention those? Why does that come up? Because I think we forget to, to remember that God is calling us in exactly that same way. Yes, yes, I need to try. Yes, I need to reach. Yes, I need to go deep. I need to do my work. I need to put in the effort to do that. But God's there. The sacred is there, loving me, supporting me, revealing itself to me. Uh-oh, we might have had at this very beautiful moment a little power surge where Susan was sometimes losing her internet up there on, on uh, Beaver Island. I'm going to guess that she may have to log out and come back in. So maybe I'll just try and take it a little bit from there and maybe move us into a meditation unless she um, joins us a little sooner. You know, when Susan was talking to me a little bit this week about what she was where she was going, I thought that just seems beautiful and timely and helpful because we haven't talked quite as much in a while about just that real personal connection and how it intersects with sometimes I think our, our feeling that we need to be perfect or that we need to have some things in order or together for God to um, like support us, talk to us, connect with us. And I know I sometimes feel like it can be harder to experience God's presence or to hear God if I feel like, oh, I've got this thing that I'm kind of um, mad about or working through or whatever. And it sometimes takes me just sort of centering back down into that space of knowing, like, I am beloved of God. Right? I am known by God. I am beloved of God right where I am right now. And yeah, there were a lot of people who were a mess all through our stories. I mean, we could name Moses was a murderer and David had a whole lot of things going on and we could go on and on, but it's I am beloved right here, right now, created by God, known for all that I am, you know, like almost like if God could just like un, like open us up and just see all of our, um, our inner deepies, as Ken used to like to say, all of the little nooks and crannies, um, that we are accepted just as we are. And that's the space and the sort of with the open hands that we can come before God. And that's the times I feel at least most likely to experience God when I'm just kind of coming with open palms. And so maybe um, at this point, we could take a little bit of a time for meditation and just make some space for that. We often, if you're new, we, we tend to take a minute or two of just quiet meditation and silence and so maybe we can just take a couple of deep breaths and invite the divine to just enter this space. And we don't have to put any pressure on, oh, I need to hear from God right now, but maybe just have an openness of heart um, and just ask the divine to reveal itself or themselves to us here and into the coming week. So make yourselves comfortable. Let's just make that space. And maybe if you need a mantra to get yourself sort of into that space, just like, I am beloved of God, come Holy Spirit. I am beloved of God, 
Come Holy Spirit. I'll take a minute. I'll let you know when that time is up. As I'm sitting here in the presence of the Spirit, I'm just reminded of just how profound a message that is, actually, that Susan King is is giving us. Um, welcome back, Susan. I'm so sorry. That's all right. We did a little meditation, and I was just going to just encourage people that, um, yeah, that the world feels messy. The world is mustering to war once again. Inflation is high. Many people are experiencing a lot of challenges still at work as pandemic goes on and just being able to find that space and come to that internal place of being able to say, even if you have to like steal away to the bathroom to do it, I am beloved of God, come Holy Spirit, give me strength. That that's a really helpful tool. Mm, Did you, uh, yeah, feel free to, I didn't know if you wanted to um, take it from there, we can pass the baton. Oh, no, that's beautiful. Thank you. Now that you just, okay, I, I can just zoom to the end. <laughs> <laughs> you picked up the thread beautifully. Yeah. I mean, I look around me, like you said, and I see all of these things that I don't understand why they're breaking down. I don't understand mm -hmm. how they are not working in service of the people and yet i watch people trying to be in service of people all of the time i think about the frontline workers i think about the people who are um struggling to work from home take care of their kids do the i mean it's just people are really at their hearts no matter what's happening in our social fabric are struggling and trying to be the creators of the webbing. And that that's what we want to remember to see. You know, we talk, I was talking about biblical stories. Well, what about stories that are much more closer to home that are like this? Look at, look at the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King. We always use that one as a great example, but it was, that was, 
the raw, the real, and the incredibly bold beloved community. That was a reach for being in relationship of covenant in ways that um, embraced ourselves, embraced God, and, and embraced everyone else. We watched it happen in South Africa, probably one of the worst cases of apartheid that our eyes and ears of our lifetime have heard. And, and yet it flipped. It flipped by their sense of beloved community. Desmond Tutu called it Umbutu, which was a, um, a an indigenous word from for South Africa that meant community connected at the essence. It meant that everyone in the village, everyone in the community needed everybody else in order to be who they were. Just like the situation with the reaching out and trying to help and being a part of resettling Afghan um, families is that it takes it's going to take that kind of village it's going to take that kind of thing and we all are leaning into it and and being a part of wanting to do that i had the incredible pleasure one time of actually meeting desmond tutu he was in ann arbor and he was um he had been invited to speak and he was staying with the episcopal campus chaplain who happened to be an very close friend of mine. And he celebrated Eucharist there and had dinner with the students that I got to come to. And he was, I said, because he was talking about this with the college students, and he was talking about the struggle to maintain community when you're in this environment that's blowing your mind with all of these thoughts, and you're trying to stay true to your heart. And he said, think about, think about yourself as a light bulb. God's the light, you're the light bulb. Think about how light bulbs like at Christmas time or outside in arena, they come in long, big strings of interconnected that have all these little individual bulbs that are screwed into the electric current and are radiating the light. That is Mbutu. That is beloved community. That is what the Bible stories are always telling us God is asking and wanting us to do. So I think to kind of close is, I'm thinking about how does all of this fit with right now and where we are on the verge of war and where are we in the seasons and the calendar of the light coming in and moving in towards the season of Lent. And what does Lent? Uh, I remember a teacher one time in seminary telling me, oh, Lent, Lent really just means spring cleaning. <laughs> it's time to go in, do a deep spring cleaning of the soul, move the furniture around again, get another layout and perspective, and you know, move back in. And that there are a couple of things that we do. There's a couple of practices that we do in Lent that if we look at them with fresh eyes, I think, can be really helpful to feeling more deeply connected to this incredible relationship of God, this being God's light bulb in the world with each other. And one of them is the act of forgiveness. 
I mentioned all these foibles about all these people in our stories because they're real. And we make mistakes. And we do things that clearly, uh, maybe after the fact, we were like, oh, that was really not the best decision that I made. I should have thought that went through all kinds of different things. But if we spend our time feeling ashamed and guilty, then we dim our light. If we lean into saying, all right, I'm going to face what I did inside of me with God in this prayerful, be present to God and say, what could I, what was there to learn from this experience that I know to do differently next time? Don't go, don't walk that road again. Do something, do something different. Or where did I see that pain that, that got caused by my actions that I've known because I've been pained like that before and have that be my teacher? So that process of forgiving ourselves means, don't know why, it's paradoxical, it's mystery, but that means that I'm more available to a higher current, to a higher level of wattage in my light bulb. It also means that I'm more available to see you as connected to me and not as other, not as threat not as problem because what happens to light bulbs we're we're screwed into the socket and stuff comes along and kind of loosens and unscrews the light bulb occasionally uh i can't i can't rescrew my own light bulb in i need you to help me you need me to help you that's all a part of how this works Another practice that can be useful for giving ourselves, the other one is fasting. And like self-forgiveness, it is not about feeling shame or blame. And fasting is really not about giving up candy or not going to the movie or, um, you know, some of the things that we learned as practices that as children, which were fine. But fasting is actually just the agreement to step back to do what Emily asked and suggested while I was gone, to go into a meditative space and to step back from our day-to-day -day activities so that we can look at our everyday activities with a different set of eyes and ears, to look at them the way Jesus taught us to look and say, where do I have eyes to see and ears to hear a different perspective on what it is that's going on? And then to ask ourselves some really important questions. How do I seek this love and light more readily and more easily in my life? How am I called to be more of a spiritual warrior for love and truth these days? What is calling me not to be a soldier, but to be somebody who can spiritually stand accountable in, in, in my life? How can I use my unique gifts that I was given and bring them to the world and give them freely as healing? as antidotes to 
to the pain and experiences of others and for healing for our, our communal brokenness. And what do I see from the eyes of my heart that is a more sacred vision of covenant than I'm currently holding in this moment? How am I seeing the possibility for covenant relationship, Ubuntu, beloved community right here with you, with me today? I mean, those are what the stories of the gospels tell us. We get four different versions of Jesus. We get him as seek and you will find. We, we get him as healer. We get him as visionary teacher. We, um, we get him as the person who stands up to the power and shows how love can work. That's what fasting is. Fasting is that engagement with that ourselves. My invitation to myself from what I was reflecting on and my invitation to all of us is that we just say yes to being willing to step more fully into the heart of who we already truly are. Because that way we can remember more often. That way we can remember that we actually are in this sacred covenant story. We are players in the unfolding of God's love in the world. And then I need you to have my back because my light bulb gets wiggly and I need help screwing it back in, probably every day. Thank you. <laughs>